ทนาย Podcast Too magically dun, 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 Disappoint dun, 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 Your Parents That is a orchestra made by our uh, our one and only. The next one's going to be a dubstep. Oh, okay. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. No, don't preview it. <laughs> Never mind. There's going to be no dub remix. Too much spitting. I mean, tell us what you want to hear. Uh, <laughs> Any we, requests? We're still waiting for you to sing to Mr. us. Mr. DJ Yay. Can I make? Request. That's a karaoke classic. Oh yeah, it is. If you don't like, well, it's okay if you don't know it. <laughs> we'll get you image keys. <laughs> so, how's everyone doing? How's your drive to yeah. wherever you may be driving to? Please don't crash. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? We're on our thirteen lucky, lucky number thirteen episode here. Gene, <gasps> would you like to tell the listeners what we just hit? We, you know, when I last checked our counter, we hit over two thousand downloads on only one platform. God. Oh my god, who are you all? Who are you? I thank you. I, I mean, I can't believe we made it to a whole nother when we were at one. <laughs> yeah, when we were at one and it was just me listening. <laughs> just Jean and I. I again, like if you all remember, I don't like to listen to my voice. So it is just me. So it's just Jean who re-listens to these and I'm just like, I let it go. I let it go like a bird. <laughs> I am so thankful and um, I am too. You know, I, I can't even begin. I can and you know what? It's not about the number, as again, Angelica Rosado said, but it's it's just crazy to me, like that a whole thousand people again. So, I mean, and that was such a short amount of time, but you know, it just it warms my heart to know that another thousand people are listening, and that hopefully this gives you the peace that you need in your everyday. Yeah, you know, we started this during Asian American history. Asian American. We did, and now where are we at? Oh. Girl, tell the listeners. We're at Filipino American History Month, the ladies, gentlemen, and those who do not identify with either or. <laughs> and it's just, wow. Wow, full circle. It's It feels like a year, but it's not. It's about to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. But um, really quick, I wanted to go ahead and say thank you to a lot of the comments because I'm really trying to commit to that Filipino American uh, History Month challenge. But damn, is that hard to like you to do yeah. these? I, I suck at social media like challenges. Yeah, but when you get on so. social media, you are impactful. I don't. Well, well yes, okay. you are. <laughs> take a moment. I appreciate it. I, still trying, still trying. But it's just like because I work so much. Because you know, y'all know I'm a teacher. It's really hard to like be present in social media and right. the, 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 these kids what students are snooping on you no, my kid, I, I gotta be careful like some of these kids be snooping they really do yeah. they're all up in my desk but besides the point one thing that my kids are always getting caught on is Instagram so speaking of Instagram <laughs> I wanted exactly. to say thank you to at Sirbi Bibor uh, I think it's Sir Bibor Sir oh it's a play on words I was like like reading it like Sir Bye Bye Bibor <laughs> <laughs> she was trying. She was All trying. All right. Survivor Kai. Yeah. Survivor K. Survivor K. Or Kai. Um, Still a shout out. So I posted, if you didn't see it, on Instagram a, a photo of my mother for uh, the first challenge for uh, FAHM month. Um, about, you know, migration. Um, as you all know, I'm a second generation uh, 
Filipino-American, and my mother immigrated here from the Philippines. And I posted some of her old photos. A lot of those were, like, from the 70s. One of them had my grandpa in it. So it's, 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 it says Philippines 1979 in my grandpa shirt. Way to wear a date. <laughs> I know. I'm like, dang. And, like, I totally respect my grandfather. He's someone that I think if I met him, me and him would have, like, talked so much shit about America together. <laughs> But God rest his soul, um, and wherever he may be with the spaghetti God. Um, but otherwise, uh, Survivor Kai said, um, I really related to this a lot. My mother has only been back to the Philippines once in 36 years. She has lived in the U.S. She does not think much about going back. Sometimes I do think about how she must feel, though. Always an immigrant here and never really Filipino there. Ooh, living on the bridge, everyone. We're living on the bridge. And, like, that's the thing. Like, when I made that post, I did talk about my mom's experience because she has not set foot, set foot back in the Philippines. But it's always constantly in her mind to want to go the, back. Her consciousness, yeah. You know, but, again, like, it's so hard to go back with, like, the stratification of, like, you know, economic need, you know, survival, like, here, like, is so harsh. And so, especially when you're an immigrant, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then raising kids. So it's like, how can you afford a $1,000 ticket? Can I to add go? to that? You know, yeah, we're talking about it. this expense thing, right? So we're talking about your mom and the economic need, right? So it's one, it's costly to go over there. And then the second thing, too, because I'm trying to think of my mom. Like, I'm always like, I want to come along. She's like, no. And she used to be cool with me coming along. And I think that um, the obligation to bring a Balak buy-in box, mm-hmm. and that's, so that's on top of the cost of your ticket, and it's not like, I mean, yeah, there are jobs here in America, but at the same time, it's not like Bill Gates' jobs, you know, where you get to Imagine. spend. Yeah, like a lot of that stuff that was in the box was old clothes me and my brother wore or, you know, discounted food that we were able to buy. So it's it's costly on people going back and the expectations. So I hear your mom in that. I know. And that's the biggest thing was the money issue and it's sad because my mom never got to go back in time before my grandmother passed away Mm. so my grandmother passed away in 2010 and actually it's her death anniversary this month october coincidentally left and you know that's one of the saddest things that i feel bad for my mother is because she never got to see her mother again after that she left in 1985 and then 2010 her mom passed away and she never got to see her only phone conversations you make me think about how many families too can't see each other. Can't see each other, and probably will never. And that's just the thing that really f- fucking sucks, you know, that people don't get sometimes that, like these borders are not easy to cross. Right. You know, as much as they'd like to go ahead and say that it is in the news and like bash on people, thinking that it is, it's, it's really not. painful. I mean, I can't. You know, I'm very privileged in thinking, like, what if I can't ever see my parents? Like, how that really feels. So, um... And that reminds me of, like, what we talked about in our immigration episode. If uh, anyone tuned in last uh, time... For Dr. Winkleman, also, a.k.a. Tessa. Tessa. I was about to be like, Dr. Tessa. I have to add the doctor, because I'm just like, it's yeah, too much. You earned it as an academic, which mm. few of us only make it that far. Yeah, and big shout-out and thank you to Dr. Uh, Winkleman for everything. Again, Tessa... You're amazing. Your yeah. nails, bomb. <laughs> yeah. Um, really putting into context a lot. You know, something that's very new for me is the whole pathway thing. I mean, because, oh, yeah. okay, so we talked about women as pathways, and I have just been uh, reading America's Not in the Heart by Elaine Castillo, and it is really a, not, I'm not just generically saying it, it's a great read. It's like 
I'm kind of seeing testimonies of maybe what my parents or other people in their generation have gone through. And one of them was talking about men, Filipino men, using Filipina nurses as pathways, right? And so mm-hmm. I was really shocked at, like, there's a moment in where, like, two of the major characters, sorry for spoiling part of the story for Spoilies. you. Spoilies! Um, <laughs> where basically they don't see each other for a long time, and they were dating, they broke up, and as soon as she come, her ass is back in the Philippines, he says to her, will you marry me? And I, it's so, this idea is so foreign to me because I'm used to the context of Western dating mm-hmm. where it's not a survival tactic. It's like romantic and recreational as opposed to this where a man, a Filipino man is asking her for a ticket to the U.S. at this point, you know, whether or not he feels for her or not. I mean, like she and he knew is a point of survival. And so I forget that even men um, ha- have to use this avenue, marriage as an avenue. Part of me is like sucks to suck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other parts like I get it. I get it. You yeah. know, like the struggle. But these things do tend to get complicated, yeah. and they do get warped, and they turn into hybrids throughout the years. You know, people do not follow the conventional or the unconventional, mm-hmm. and then the unconventional becomes the conventional. Right. It becomes this weird rabbit hole of like Alice in Wonderland, right? Like, Topsy turvy. I don't know yeah. where I was going with that. No, no. I, like, I got lost in the sauce. You can't just... Well, I guess what we're both coming together on with a culmination of these past episodes with context to history is like everything is messy for a reason. But also, you know, in tribute to Filipino American History Month, all of it is messy and censored for a reason, too. Mm-hmm. Because what are you going to say about, you know benevolent, what was it, colonization, what they were calling it for the Philippines when it came to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and um, uh, basically colonizing. Because if we remember specifically, 1898 was the year that uh, the Philippines uh, was relinquished from uh, Spain's control, right? Mm -hmm. But then (laughs) in comes the U.S. because of the Spanish-American War, and then... um, from what I remember in Asian American history studies and also um, Asian American studies back at uh, when we both, me and Jean both sat in for uh, Dr. Padum Pat's class um, that uh, as a uh, means of peace uh, the um, the island of Guam Puerto Rico the Philippines and I think there was another country was a I forget what the fourth one is. I believe there was a fourth one. But those were the main three. And the political cartoons that came, like, part of that was really offensive. But but America was uh, making all these political cartoons saying, like, we need to go ahead and be a parent to these barbarians, in a way. Like, these round, like, you know, uh, savages in those old political cartoons. And that's part of the Filipino-American history. Right. So... I don't which like, which that's brought up in my head, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, which those have survived in the consciousness of our people and the consciousness of other ethnic groups that we interact with. But they get hella buried, too. You know, that's the other thing. It's like, we don't show these in, like, American history books. We don't go ahead and talk about how, like, America took on the, col- like, these colonies from Spain and then colonized them in turn. And also, remembering back to Filipino American History Month, and also with the whole deal with relinquishing the Philippines was that America, the U.S., promised the Philippines independence by collaborating in fighting back the Spanish during 1898, but then kind of turned their backs and was like, psych, it looks like Spain gave us to you anyways. Right. 
remember there was this three-year revolution that happened, but no one really talks about it. And there was thousands of Filipinos who died to uh, fight back the yeah. U.S. And only a couple hundred of um, U.S. soldiers died uh, fighting back the rebel forces. So I want to stay with that point, which um, the fact that the number is unclear about the casualties and how we're here, like, digging up in the mud and dirt of, like, what were the numbers? You know, why wasn't this logged in or talked about? And it's in the back of our consciousness is very scary because um, history can be doomed to repeat itself if we're not aware of the atrocities that humans can do to each other. But isn't that always a thing with the U.S.? <laughs> Bearing all their atrocities when but we also think about it? And thinking about how um, we install their education, you know, in our people for very long terms. Like, you know, mm, the, yes. the, Elaine's book is so good because it talks about a moment where it's like, hey, 600,000 died from this thing and this thing. We don't talk about it. But... Um, what are our people currently learning, right? We're learning about the 50 states. We're learning about Colorado's terraces. Like, we're learning within co a context away from the space that we're living in, which I would consider the Philippines. And so um, as that kind of education is being funneled, in, funneled through, um, the consciousness is forgotten. The impact is forgotten. The terror, the pain um, only lives in, like, the generational trauma. Generational trauma meaning, like, how are we keeping, how are we perpetuating keeping our youth in line by having that same aggression never contextualized, right? So there's this great comic, you know, I think it was done by the Luna Brothers, they're both cartoonists. Someone shared it on my page. Mm -hmm. We're like, this, in an older generation, a Filipino man is getting mad at his daughter and he's talking about all the, in the, in the word balloon, it's like all the terrors of Japanese occupation and Spanish occupation and whatnot. Then in the bottom one, she's getting mad at her son as a grown woman and it's from the same kind of casualty informed thing. So it shows up in our aggression to each other mm -hmm. and our, you know, celebration of tokenism and like whiteness that by the time we're interacting, we're just tearing each other apart. Like how Tessa said, fighting for scraps. And what is the cost of that? A, a discombobulated community. And I feel like what, how history reveals itself is in our interactions to each other, right? Though we don't have most, like, for example, we're not going to be able to, as Filipino-Americans, learn about Filipino and American relations in that deep of a context. We won't be able to know about the three-year, like, you know, like, um, rebellion, that happened right. in the Philippines, unless you look for that or unless it's orally taught to you. So oral histories become a big, major thing within right. Filipino communities. And that's how we have Huge. to obtain our information. Right. And then sometimes those show up in aggressions, like microaggressions yes. and macro, Microaggression. ma micro yes. and macro levels to with like other. Other, to each other and from other outside forces and Ugh. other people from other communities who start using stereotypes. And it's like, stereotypes hold history to them. And like part of part of how people have viewed us in the past and how may may still view us or lump us lump us right? you know Ooh. i've been called a chink before you know i've been Whoa. called um <laughs> what is that other racial slur to vietnamese you know like and we don't when we talk about the vietnam war we gloss over that right we gloss, well, they always gloss over you know it's like some bullshit right there right so like they always gloss over war you know we've been Sorry. secondary and there's <laughs> we've been secondary as a people for very long and even like right now i think there's a huge battle on keeping ethnic studies alive the department at UNLV is very small um, for Asian um, studies. Like, I mean, we're 
seeing, you know, and we have very vocal people who are fighting, 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 but we're seeing a slow progression or extinction of our stories, of our place, and it's all very useful to the larger narrative. If, you know, it's kind of like being a Hammy's Tale, like we're forgetting... I can't believe you. Wait to reference that. I, I hate to. that you had to bring up hands me. But is scale. it different though? Well, if you okay, as an educator, right, and both as educators, Ooh, we girl. understand that we're un- working under an American education system that caters towards and also focuses on American history, and we also know that history can be biased as people who have been researchers. Mm-hmm. So, like bias, as in it'll only tell one narrative rather than the other, and being someone who had the opportunity to even take classes within the ethnic studies department like i'm grateful that i have this knowledge that i do now because i didn't get this in american education like education systems like from high school middle school elementary you know i had to obtain this at the college level and even then that's so that is so privileged like i i'm i'm privileged enough to have been able to get that history yeah can i also ask you yeah um how big were those classes right like how many people were even there sometimes they're like like just four not people. even 20 not even 10 <laughs> yeah it's a one a small class and then how many people were actually in the same major yeah and you know what they so actually tiny. did uh, used to offer tagalog classes too at UNLV wow they used to but apparently quote unquote there was not a need nor a high interest for applications right and for registration there's over how there's over a hundred it's 150,000 Filipinos in our valley, and that's... And we keep increasing here. I feel like it may change, you know, um, I hope so, with the interest, especially as each generation progresses, you know, like, or we go through each generation, you know, like, I'm hella interested. I'm not fluent in Tagalog, um, but, like, I can carry the converse. Oh, like, I can feel what's going on in conversation but it'd be great to know how to say something so this brings another question you as being a student right now becoming a teacher is like how many how many people are like you you know i really feel like it's really rare because like would you spend your millennium scholarship which is you know paid by the the state state right would you use that money um to get personal development or cultural development or cultural context on those classes or would you spend it on getting your medical degree or your you know something in step like you know it just feels so secondary having to develop ourselves and so i don't think a lot of our communities invest money time and love into ourselves and that's showing up in the missing part of the history of us is like we're not that important so let me tell you when i visited a high school with this the filipino american club um, I asked them, which I'm so like, I'm I'm happy that y'all have a Filipino American yeah. club. I I infiltrated. Um, <laughs> it was at Chaparral, and I asked them two questions. They would step in the circle, or they would step out, um, or in several other prompts. One of them was like, "Do you consider yourself Filipino?" And most of the most of them stepped in. I said, "Do you consider yourself American?" None of them stepped in, and they're like, "Well, why would that be a question?" They asked me, and I was like, "I mean, does." does your citizenship mean something to you? You know what I mean? And so they were like, in that moment, I realized that in high school, they understand that they are outsiders and that they must perpetuate that, right? It's tough. It's, it was tough to watch and not be emotional, right? Like just, and not, not that I didn't want to process it, but because like I had to speak into truth without having it break me in that moment. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, and we want to talk further about 
this missing component showing up. Missing component meaning history, history classes, history context, experts in our valley, how it's showing up for It's rare enough to be able to get in contact with an expert nor have an expert teach these classes at an academic college level, yeah. right? But even more so in the primary level, secondary level of like elementary, middle, and high school level. Mm-hmm. Um, as an educator right now, um, is so evident how much microaggressions are at play every day with students between themselves and then teachers with themselves because I do have teachers who and this is not to sugarcoat anything you know that are pretty fucking microaggressive like some days I'm ready to throw down with my co-workers because they'll say very offensive things they'll probably start mocking um, someone's accent like not a colleague but definitely someone that they've interacted with say in the store or even like any past professors which they have done and I was this is why I don't eat with you (laughs) I I I spend my time and also um even going further uh you you see these things during um spirit weeks or even cultural heritage month events right? right so for example uh at my school uh, they had uh, a spirit week, and on Wednesday, it was a cultural day, right? So wear a piece of uh, something from your culture. Right. So what I did for a cultural day is, like, I didn't I didn't find any, like, strong pieces to wear. However, I did do Bisayan, uh tattoos oh, on my hand. Oh, that's your yes, Yeah, so, nice. like, you, Jean can kind of see the leftover ink, that's but beautiful. I did uh, look up uh, Bisayan, um uh, patterns and tattoos from my hand, so uh, I'll post it on the Insta. I do have a photo. DIY. Um, so one one part of the pattern uh, was the day and night representation. The other was snakeskin, and on my fingers I had the fruit symbols. Because <laughs> I'm like fruit, hell yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was um, part of like Tagalog, Bisayan culture, a lot of tribes, and that's what. The Spanish called the Philippines the island of the painted ones. Isla de Pintos, I mm-hmm. believe, was what they called the Filipinos. Um, I will fact check myself. I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm more than sure. That's yep. It is. It is. <laughs> um, but yeah. So what my students were. Uh, my Filipino students. Uh, one of them, he came up to me and he said, hey, what's up? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, hi. And then he was wearing a rice hat. And uh, so, like, we all know the rice hats. They look triangular. Yeah. And he had a Filipino flag hanging off his um, his pocket. He's one of my student aides. And I was just like, okay, I see it, you know. Right. Um, but a lot of people were talking stereotypes that day. But keep in mind that majority of uh, like of my students at my school are like kids of color you know <laughs> KOCs if, if I will be so bold Hashtag KOCs. but you know what was really interesting too I wasn't the only school to have their spirit week there was another school in the valley that mm-hmm. had their spirit week I'm not sure if I should be able to drop the school's what they name. do what they do they did an MAGA spirit week to theme. achieve what um, and for our listeners who don't know that acronym, it's Make America Great Again theme. Right. And apparently this school has had already 
mass amounts of issues with, between students of color uh, with other uh, white students um, where uh, there were microaggressions of kids saying la migra or uh, ice um, and even black students being targeted um, in terms of like you know their facial expressions and what they wore and this whole make America great again theme was so messy reading it on an article and just knowing those strong strong contrasts between my school spirit week in terms of culture versus this one that's located in the northwest which is known to be a highly populated white area this um so i'm really glad you brought this story because this puts into context the absence of knowing how racism works and has worked throughout our history like they think that this is okay that either it's a joke or that it's not going to have traumatic repercussions on the you know student POCs there and I just can't even think um, how might there be a retaliation coming from those POC students um, how the faculty is probably dealing with this is just a mess and I think that because civics is missing and history they really are missing from education like being able to talk about these histories and talk about why do we think these things right. why do we think these stereotypes why do we enforce these stereotypes why what, yeah. what is the purpose of putting someone down and what's the purpose of us fighting for scraps with one another and you brought up you know what happens when you know, again, a lack of resources and access, and access Truly. to a faculty that have this um, cultural context or sense of um, empathy, or you know what I mean? Like, so again, it's just one cycle perpetuating another. And you can argue that none of these things are important until it gets to the moment of violence. And then we're like, well, what happens? Let's, uh, let's, uh, you know, <laughs> put, you know, treat these students into another like kind of prison system of operating and punishing and isolating rather than like, all right, this is a scenario. This is what happened to um, the Jews and the Vietnamese and like, you know, like why, um, yeah, just a lot of it. And yeah, it's kind of scary because like we're talking, we talked to Tessa and she gave us lots of context, right? But it's not the entire story. And she is one of very few faculty who probably don't get that much enrollment from our populations at all. And so that's problematic in a sense where like, okay, let's let's look at this future 10, five years from now. Are we going to be enslaved people unknowingly and wittingly like taking paychecks and then violence just burst out in the, like it's, it's bad. What I will say is that I'm glad that compared to 10 years ago, there has been great shifts mm -hmm. in, um, you know, like call out culture is not, the best method it's somewhere that we have started okay right. but it's not the best place to end right you know it's about holding accountability and also being able to talk about these histories in the in the context and for what they are right you know instead of kind of glossing these over it's about time that we make true curriculum like you know and sometimes a curriculum curriculum <laughs> curriculum all right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the curriculum doesn't always suit each student, obviously, you know, but that's why as educators, it's our job to adjust these in a way that we still talk facts and history and truth in the most conventional way possible. Right. And make it a safe space. And I feel that that's yeah. that problem. We don't have space. Like, as much as they tell you in a school you're going to be safe, like, how safe are you really? Right. You also make me think, 
that I don't want to impose on all faculty of color to try to make this relevant or important. Um, I, because for me, it's really hard. It's really hard because pa if parents are not a be able to talk about their own diaspora or put context to it, like, hey, like, I came this far to get this job for you in a way that's this tone and, you know, like, hey, I got this far to get this to, you know what I mean? Dang, like, I felt that one. <laughs> you know, and that is in the way that we deliver to our kids. It's just, you know, in recent, and I think Rose can um, relate with me here, like I've been on a quest to <laughs> meet um, <laughs> Filipino-American students in particularly high school and be a resource, just a heart-to-heart -heart talk resource. And, um, you know, I don't want to take away from what they can build for each other. So I'm just like, whatever project, do it. You know, it's up to you. I'm not going to be like, yeah, well, you better or you don't care about history. I think that's a terrible method to teach our students. But um, when I talk to them in my heart-to-heart -heart moments, they give me this blank stare. Like, and I don't know how to read it. I'm reading it two ways. One, it's just like, who the fuck are you in trying to talk to me about Marcos and my parents? You know what I mean? Real heavy. And the second thing it was all is just like, maybe it's just like feeling the generational trauma, like come back to them. Like, cause I, I'll joke like, well, not joke, but I'll bring up like, raise your hand or if your parents are strict, you know? One time I asked these students, what do you do for fun? Only one student was like, oh, I work at, you know, I work, I drive and I hang out with my friends on the weekends. But every other student, when I was talking to them in shop role, I clean the house. I help them with groceries and I stay home and I continue to clean my house. And I thought to myself, um, this is how um, parents are at one, keeping them safe, keeping close control, you know what I mean? But they're not being forced to think analytically why they are particularly doing those obligations. Yes, one out of respect, but they're not operating in a system where they interact with folks like us who challenge those ideas, not because I don't want you to clean your house, but like, why, do, why have they become yes people as youths? You know what I mean? Because I even asked them, are you trying to get good grades for you or your family? They said their family. Why? Because I have to uplift my family. Why? Is that your dream? Right? And so dreams are very selfish. And like, so I get it. I get it. it's a survival tactic. Um, but I also think that we are subduing our youth in a way that we're not fully aware is impacting them. And that's a fine line to walk, too, as an educator, you know, working with, like, high school students is, like, there has to be a sense of freedom, but also a sense of trajectory, mm -hmm. you know, not trying, I, like, we don't try to control, but management is one thing, and sometimes it's hard, because we do have our youth that grow up in very unstable homes, you know, and then growing, and then also around other unstable students, yeah. and then it becomes a whole mess, it does. It's, it becomes heavy, and these topics become heavy. And I get—I know what blank stares you're talking about because I get that every right. day, Monday through Friday. And you're speaking with from the heart, seven to one thirty. <laughs> you're speaking from the heart, and you hope it resonates with them because I feel like when we were students, we're like, you know, but maybe I had a blank stare. I don't know. Some people don't know how to uh, like digest, so I tell my kids, you know what? Let it marinate. Oh, that's a great. Let one. it marinate. Let it let it marinate overnight. Cook it. Eat it. Enjoy it. Or think on it. Right. That's a beautiful Married. way. Right. <laughs> I just want you to be like, I don't know. I asked one of my, I asked my students for an assignment. Like, um, write a, write a comic about 
someone you love? I, f- I, I didn't think it would be such a controversial, controversial question. It's like, what if I don't love anyone? I don't care about the conversations I have with people. And it's like, every moment is a teachable moment. And the fact that we're operating in this world, like, whatever, whatever. If I'm going to troll and put up a MAGA meme or whatever, and I don't care what the impact it has oh, on God. folks of color, I mean, or anyone, or the fact that it perpetuates hateful behavior, if that doesn't even matter, then it's like, we're constantly hurting people in a cycle of violence that we're not aware of. And I like to characterize the internet as though it were the Area 51 raid. 20, oh my God. And I hate to bring this, but it's a great analogy. 20,000 people said they were going to go. 100 showed up. That's just like 20,000 people sharing a shitty meme and only 100 people actually believe that shit. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, if he went... <laughs> and I told this to my students who kept joking about going... <laughs> I was going to sit, which I did, in my PJs with popcorn and watch the whole shit that's happening. Because <laughs> ain't nobody people. trying to get shot for them aliens. <laughs> I was sick of seeing those signs. You know I'm how bad? I can't believe you brought that up. Oh, God. I'm such a... <laughs> but I just think that um, FAHM <laughs> is super important because we are, we are one, still misinformed. Two, we're... We're working with so little. Always. <laughs> three, we are kind of at each other's throats at this point. Right? And I feel like this is the point where we can go ahead and say that these are the forms of oral histories that we can at least put down. Right. These are the ways in which we can find the information, you know? Right. Um, and then start looking for the inaccuracies. You can go ahead and fact check me on, right, like, right. right after this. That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, so, we're like... not 100%. We're not 100%. I'm, more, I'm 80%. <laughs> so what are some I mean, solutions we can give in t- kind of trying to dip their toes into FAHM? I some? feel like what I did this week, okay? So I give my students a bell ringer every day, right? So mm-hmm. that's you come in, you work on it. So they had this message they had to decode, right? So they didn't know what it was. And keep in mind, this was on Cultural Day, right? Okay. It was on it was on Wednesday, Cultural Day. And so one way that I started, like, you know, making an introduction, so they decoded the message, and then it said, Magandang Umaga. That's beautiful. And so I told them all, like, Happy Cultural Day. Now you all know how to say good morning in uh, Tagalog. And so it, I feel like that was one way it's to small. In, it's small and it introduces people to your culture and int- introduces a conversation. Right. So I feel like that's one way. That's beautiful. You know, it's is not the doing small a lot. Small introductions. Right. You know, like because sometimes like we can go ahead, pour our hearts out. It's hard. It's a hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. It is a hard cake to swallow. You know, so I feel like part of me like and though my kid they're like i only have like a couple of filipino students in my classes right. um who but they were so excited that like i incorporated like tagalog into <laughs> the curriculum and also it was a good way to to open conversations to right. people who don't know about filipino culture you know and then on friday which was yesterday mm-hmm. a bunch of my kids came up to me and started talking about filipino food oh and you opened I, a door girl I, like, they walked you know, in it was a work work day and it was like well this is what cutting cutting is mm. so and they started like so it became small right it's beautiful wednesday it was just a word today i'm talking to you about our food you right. know so it's little things it's not pushing a narrative it's yeah. not pushing anything on anyone it's a small introduction and it's up to people to go ahead and make an effort or um take the initiative right 
to seek these sources out and that's one of them i love that um besides like listening to podcasts and sharing instagrams if you don't know to look for those things you one won't find them so i think one of my greatest things is i love asking um other filipino youth what is your biggest dream for yourself i don't expect everyone to be an artist but um it's it's like that they get the chance to breathe that into existence so that's really nice and you know i'm really seeing it in their narratives in my comics class um my college comics class um one kid was being chased down in the story he was being chased down in colorado um by this one white kid with his brother he turns around takes that kid's basketball and kicks it really far so he can run away and all i can think is like he has no idea he made something beautifully a narrative beautifully for his filipino americans like and i get to see that i get to see him develop that so i think um being nostalgic and talking about those small moments are important and having that dialogue um it's not really encouraged a lot yet to be that personal in my art class but we've already dived real deep mm-hmm. and i think it's really cultural like I, hey, I am just like, I just love, you know, what we do on the podcast. I love d- digging deep. And sometimes I'm like, stop asking so many of the right questions because I want to tell you everything. And why does she censor herself? You know, why do our parents censor themselves to not bring us pain? Um, maybe, possibly, but at the same time, not knowing any of that stuff is going to hurt me. I think it's also our parents didn't know how to process their own pain. Right. And therefore you kind of like gloss over it. My mom never talks about the Marcos era, you yeah. know, like unless I, I ask. Right. You know, it becomes a question of the histories and everything. Yeah, that's missing. All I know is my grandfather didn't vote for him. <laughs> you know, we need more of those kinds of votes. But um, <laughs> we want to leave you with a few questions. You know, what kind of resources can you offer to the youth that isn't um, highly academic or sometimes inaccessible? You know, how mm-hmm. do we get how do we get to the high school level or even the middle school and elementary school level? You know. What does that look like? And we'd love to hear from them. What are some questions that you have um, between like intimate conversations with either friends, group gatherings, parties, right. when maybe your heritage comes into play as a Filipino, where you have to start educating, educating right. people about like our history and our like our culture? Right. You know, it's, these are hefty questions, but I think that um, at Bruja we always give a platform for our listeners and. Um, we're so happy that um, you're here. You're existing in this space with us. Um, and that is our commitment to hold space for all of you. I love you. <laughs> we love you and we love our students. Um, it's an exhausting job. And if any of my students are listening to this, you better not say anything if you want your grade to stay the way it was. <laughs> it's math. So None of them know. None of them know. You know, this generation doesn't listen to podcasts the way we do in our 20s and 30s. So I, you know. Try not to jinx myself because I don't want one of my kids to find me. <laughs> you know, there was one student, our student's mom found um, one of our guest speakers. So See, we just got to be quiet. <laughs> the world is really small. It's really small. Super small. Don't so. find me. <laughs> um, we really appreciate you. And, you know, we look forward to the next thousand listens. But until then. We're going to keep on keeping on. All right. And this is Bruja Batty signing off. Uh, this is Jean wishing you a happy Filipino-American History Month. Me too. <laughs> and we are what? A Panay Podcast. Still disappointing. Our Panay. Love you all.